Shalom, and welcome to Viahavta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, that verse of Scripture has a great deal of wisdom in it, wisdom that we need to apply to our life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This means it is incumbent upon us to think properly, to think correctly. So let me ask you a very logical question in light of that. Are you thinking properly? Well, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be dealing with today from the book of Psalms is going to assist us in thinking correctly, making wise decisions, and keeping at the forefront of our thoughts the right things, things we need to remember in order that we will make wise decisions. Let me say it another way that we will make decisions that are honoring God and will lead us to do that which we ought to do and to keep God always on the forefront of our minds. We need to remember God. When we remember God, His truth, His nature, His attributes, His promises, then we're going to make wise decisions. Take out your Bible. And look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 90. Now, the first thing we're going to see in this psalm is who wrote down this 90th psalm. What's unique is that normally we find a psalm called a shear or a mizmor. Here it's simply called tefillah, which is the Hebrew word for prayer. So it's not a typical psalm, but rather we see it as a prayer. Now, most of you know that I have been going through the book of Psalms now for for approximately three years, and we're on Psalm 90. And one of the things that that we can figure out based upon the, the revelation in this psalm is who is the author. And it says... A prayer of Moses I received an email not too long ago knowing that I was going to be dealing with this psalm and the person simply asked this question do I think that Moses is the author of this psalm let me answer that right now yes I do we need to believe the Word of God God does not lie this is not a book that was put together by man it is a holy book it is a book without error it is the truth of god and it's only when we apply this to our mind then and only then are we going to be thinking properly so that we do the things that are correct and we are useful to god that should be your chief desire i want to live a life 
not of futility, not in vain, but I want to live a life that is useful to God, that I participate in the things of God. And in my estimation, when we look at Psalm 90, we're going to be instructed by Moses and what a great teacher. In fact, in Hebrew, we frequently call Moses Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses, Moshe, same name, one English, one Hebrew, and Rabbeinu means, in this sense, our teacher, our authority, one who has greater revelation than we do, and therefore we ought to listen to him. So are you thinking properly, and are you listening to whom you should be listening to? And who is that? Not me or someone else. It is the truth of Scripture. This is what you should be listening to and having God's Word bring about the changes. And we'll see this towards the end of our study, that His Word and our response to His Word will bring about the changes that God would want us to make and that we, looking at things from a perspective of eternity, that we would agree these are the changes that we need to make. Look with me to verse 1, Psalm 90, and verse 1, where it says, let's read it in Hebrew first, Tefillah le Moshe, which simply means a prayer of Moses belonging to him. Now, Moses is known as a man of humility. He is known as the servant of God. And here, notice how he is spoken of. It says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, if you were to ask me, how would I like to be known by God? God, that he would look at me and see that I'm a man of God. That is, I belong to him. That means I'm in a covenantal relationship with him, but I'm also moved and submissive to the terms of that covenant. So the best thing that we can be called is a man of God or a woman of God, someone who belongs to the Lord and is submissive to his instructions. That's what it means, Ishka Elohim, the man of God. And then Moses says something in the last part of that first verse, at least the first verse in the Hebrew text where it says, O Lord, Ma'on. Now, I hear the word ma'on, and today in modern Hebrew, it relates to, for example, to a daycare where someone is entrusted, and there that person is going to find his needs being met, that they are going to care for him. So, what Moses is saying is that you, O Lord, have been such a dwelling place for us for you have been a dwelling place and notice what it says not simply our dwelling place but it says literally Haita lanu which means you have been the implication a dwelling place from that word meon for us now one of the things that we need to remember is this not just that god loves us but god is for us now when it says he is for us what that means is this that god has a will let me say it another way 
he has a purpose and that purpose when you submit to it that you engage in it that you are moved and transformed by the purposes of god what's going to be the outcome something which is good we all know the verse that the good work that god has began and it's a good work he's going to complete it when in the day of messiah that is a reference to the rapture so god is for us what should that cause me to to realize and keep at the forefront of my mind when i obey god it is in my best interests i say frequently god needs nothing god is perfect he lacks nothing anything that he commands us to do it's not for him god lacks nothing there's nothing missing there's nothing that he has a shortage of and therefore when he says to do something it is not for his best interests but rather it is for ours and that's why it says O lord a dwelling place my own you have been atahaita lanu for us vedor vedor in generation and generation what does that tell us it tells us that there is a consistency with god god is the same i know the verse says messiah yeshua but he is god and we can apply this to the godhead he is the same yesterday today and forever god makes no changes because he needs not to change he is whole he is complete he is perfect he sustains himself he needs nothing and this is our god he is consistent verse verse 2 where it says before the mountains were born so and before they came into be the mountains and he says you created the earth and tevil which is the world so god you created the earth and the implication is all the world he is a creator god now when we look at creation and this is what the the psalm is asking us to do when we look at creation we see randomness no we do not we see in creation order we see that things happen in a purposeful manner we see that one thing that takes place in nature gives rise to another thing and they happen in the proper order so god is a god of order and here's wisdom when we say god i want your order for my life that is a wise decision that is what's going to bring a godly change into your life so he says you have created the earth and the world and from everlasting unto everlasting you are god again speaking of god being consistent he does not change and he is eternal god transcends and the last part of that verse means just that he trans things transcends all things because of who he is next verse Enosh. Enosh is a man. It is a very general term for man. 
Some would argue that it has an Aramaic, Aramaic nature to it, this word enosh, but it says, and you return man unto Daka. Daka, as it's spoken of here, relates to that which is is crushed, that which has been made into pieces. When it's applied to the heart, it's that word for a contrite heart or a broken heart. So we're going to, and what Moses is teaching us is this, we are going to uh, return one day to that which is nothing. We are going to be rendered to pieces. We are going to break down. In fact, we are in the process ever since this world was affected by sin. We are in that process of of corruption, of decay, that, that we are mortal beings, not as God originally created us to be, but now we're mortal being, which means time based upon the natural us is not uh, a, a friend to humanity time brings about our demise our destruction that's what he's saying here but notice how god contrasts himself with that look at the next verse for a thousand years in your eyes according to your perspective is as a day at what day yesterday a thousand years pass to God, from his perspective, it's like a day like yesterday that has passed. And then he says, and, and the implication is, and also like a night watch. A watch that's in the night. Now, that passes usually in three hours. Traditionally, there is four watches that go throughout the night. And if the day is broken up into equal parts, two. So sometimes, depending upon the year, the time of year, it's a little bit shorter than that. Sometimes it's longer than that. But in a general sense, a night watch is three hours. So a thousand years to God's like yesterday, like a night watch that has passed through a relatively short period of time. All of that is poetic language to say God is not responsive to time from our perspective. God sees things very differently when it comes to time. Next word, next verse, where it says, uses word for for flowing like a current, like a river flows. And he says, and the subject is sleep. Now, as sleep, from our standpoint, sleep goes by quickly and what god is saying is this these things in the world they they flow right by they are like a current of a river that moves them and then they're no more that's how we can identify sleep it goes by very quickly time changes when we're asleep we don't have a sense of time it's different and then it says in the morning what happens as the grass passes time and sometimes a relatively short period can have a a big impact on grass grass can be be dull in color a brownish showing uh, the effects of a lack of water and you put water on that grass 
and and in a very short period of time overnight you can see a change it is responsive so we are very responsive to time like grass but god not god when time passes it doesn't uh change him he doesn't feel stress or anxiety because uh what he wants uh is not at hand and one hour or one day or one year or 100 years or what none of that causes god to think differently he's never under the pressure of time this is what is being said and how different we are to that look again next verse verse 6 in the hebrew text where it says in the morning it uh blossoms it's the word yetzitz it blossom it flowers but then it passes in the in the evening what happens this is the same word the root is where we get the hebrew term for circumcision cutting so in the evening it's cut down and what happens to it it withers so that which blossoms and looks so nice in the morning but very soon thereafter it's cut down and it withers we need to keep that that type of imagery in our minds when we think about our life for next verse verse 7 for all of us and this is the implication all of us come to an end with what his wrath now it's a word of wrath or anger and what it's simply speaking of is this it is because we become affected by sin human beings because of that first sin in the garden of eden we are subject to the consequences of sin and sin is going to bring about uh, uh, god's anger his judgment and it's going to bring about an end and where he says what he says here is for for all of us come to an end in god's anger and in his hot wrath his hot anger it says we are what what well, says here we are terrified now just think of that normally and the only thing that i know that changes this is faith now i can remember when uh, i was in seminary one of the things that i went through and i i did this course several times because you're supposed to do rotation but the hospital needed someone to to serve in this way and many people weren't volunteering for it so i did it instead of just a a few short weeks six weeks i did it three times six weeks and i'm speaking about hospice care now hospice care is is when someone at least and go back uh 35 years hospice is a little bit different today than it was 35 years ago when someone went into hospice it meant that their death was very imminent it was going to happen soon usually within uh, a few short days certainly no more than a week today people spend uh, months in hospice care not back then they were certainly going to die and die soon and because of that those uh, 18 weeks i spent i went from one deathbed on my call uh, we would work approximately uh, uh, four hours a day 
and we would work five days a week this program and i went from one deathbed to another what does that mean over those 18 weeks and since that i've seen a lot of people die in fact i've been present when a lot of people came to their end when they died and let me say this what a difference when i happened to be in the presence of someone who believed someone who was born again someone who had accepted the gospel as they approached death they had a very different perspective they understood death as a release but those who had no faith who had no assurance who did not believe in a redeeming god when they approached death almost without exception there was fear there was an uneasiness there was a great concern they did not know what to expect there was that fear of the unknown and what this is saying look at the scripture for all of us we're going to meet with the effects of sin god hates sin and part of that is that we're going to die we are going to come to an end and for many people because of that they are look at the end of verse 7 and in your and it's word for for hot in your hot anger your hot wrath we are afraid that's the natural not one who is in faith next verse he says here you have placed our iniquities before you now what is this doing it's telling us why one left to his own natural self should be fearful should be terrified and should expect the anger of god why well because our iniquity look at this our iniquity is placed before you and now this is a word for that which is uh hidden that which is concealed and many times we think that our sins are hidden well they may be from from others from our friends from our family they might not know uh the multiplicity of our sin we may be a good good person in hiding our sins concealing them from others but no one is able to conceal them from god that's what's saying here our secret and the implication is our secret sins they are are lit up the countenance that is the face that's literally the word here your face is is alighting illuminating them so god has perfect knowledge of our sin and that's why if we don't deal with our sin our debt our transgression our iniquity then indeed when we come to an end and that end is going to come sooner than you think life passes by quickly we hear and we'll come to this verse in a moment you know when you're uh, eight years old and you hear that you might live to be 70 or 80 that's a long time away but as you uh, become an adult I don't know about your mindset but my mindset is as i became an adult it seems from my perspective 
the time speeds up. It's, it's going rather fast. Now, from, from the time that I was 20 to 30 seems longer than from 30 to almost 60. Those 30 years seem less than 10 years when I was 20 to 30. And what is that time? It has a different, different uh, perspective. We have a different perspective for time as we grow older, and it seems to be speeding up. And that's why he says here, realize that those uh, secret sins, those hidden sins, uh, they have been illuminated before the face of God. Verse 9, for all of our days, they turn, and here it means they, they turn away, they pass through, and they all are going to be subject to the judgment, as it says here, your wrath. So God is going to evaluate everything, all of our days. And what does it say? Our years are going to be consumed, come to an end, like a sigh. Now, it doesn't take someone very long to... Usually, we sigh sometimes because, well, that's over. That's done away with. We give a sigh, the expression, a sigh of relief. But when it comes to God's judgment, left to ourselves, left to the natural, left to God's uh, dealing with our our sin, uh, just like he said earlier, we are terrified. And that's why only, and hear this carefully, it is only through the gospel, God's provision, sending his only begotten son into this world to die upon that cross to shed his blood that we can find not atonement but redemption i'm amazed at how many times i hear people speaking about atonement 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 is is inadequate for eternity atonement is a temporary covering there's an expiration date upon atonement but what is far superior is redemption and as the writer of hebrew says we have through the gospel we have through the work of messiah we have through the blood of messiah we have eternal redemption and that gives me confidence it gives me assurance and why do i have such confidence and assurance because it had nothing to do with me God did the work. All that I have to do is receive it. To say, yes, God, I am a debtor to you. I am a sinner. And because of sin, I'm going to come to my demise. I'm going to die. And I will experience eternal death, that eternal condemnation. Being separated from you, weeping, sorrow, agony, torment forever and ever. All I have to do is to say, thank you, God, for Yeshua. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the provision that you made freely, graciously, merciful to me. And when I receive that by faith, trusting in the revelation of God's word, and God does not lie, I can have absolute assurance. I can have absolute confidence 
that he is going to receive me into his kingdom not because of who i am not because of anything i've done but because of the sufficiency of the cross and the confirmation of the fact the cross was sufficient comes by the fact that god raised messiah from the dead look now to the next verse verse 10. now this is probably one of the most famous verses in the book of psalms where it says for the the days of our years among them are 70 years so all it's saying is that that the days of our years among them they're going to be approximately on average this is going back a long time from the time of moses we see that 70 years but if power or might and it's in the in the plural in the abundance of might 80 years so what this is saying is on average of course there's exceptions to this we're speaking about the average a a human being if he's not uh, injured by some accident not uh, a recipient of some uh, uh, disease at an early age more than likely this one will reach 70 years and with mighty abundance he will bake it or she will make it to 80. that's what the word of god is saying not much beyond that do people live yes there's always that exception that lives 90 95 100 105 yes we know that there's people that do that but by and large 70 to 80 years and then he says in light of that who knows the power of your anger and as your fear so one should fear you oh god based upon what what's parallel with your anger what well, again that same word we encountered earlier your wrath so god is a god of judgment god is a god of wrath anyone who simply says god is love and love alone only love has not read the bible is god love yes he is is he only love no he's not and because god loves righteousness god hates sin because god loves holiness he hates that which is is an abomination that which is profane that which is is something that is against his character he hates that and god and this verse speaks it abundantly god will judge that's what we're being told in this passage so who knows the power of your anger and according to your fear how someone should fear you well this is going to to uh uh, be established by believing in your wrath oh god that god is a god of wrath verse 12. appoint our days now this is wisdom appoint our days thus as what as he knows now it says here god knows well we know he knows all things and therefore we want him to appoint our days 
that we want to subject our life to him so appoint our days how thusly on what he knows and and bring us to a wise heart now when we and realize that these uh two statements work together in this verse appoint our days thusly based upon what he knows and when we do so and we want god to appoint our days what's he going to do he is going to bring to us a heart of wisdom what does that mean we are going to be subjected to uh, uh, the things of God. That's what we want. We want to be sensitive to, to him appointing things in our life so that we can have a, a heart that is wise and makes proper decisions. Verse 13, O Lord, return until when? And, and comfort concerning your servant. Now, what's being said here is that Moses is wanting God's uh, uh, response. He's wanting God's presence. He's wanting God's activity. So he says, uh, basically, how long, O Lord, until you return, did you bring your authority, your will into force? What is this really a call for? The kingdom. He wants his kingdom. And with the coming of the kingdom, it's going to be a, a comfort. The kingdom comes there's a comfort for who your servants so if we're not interesting in serving god we better not want his his kingdom because his kingdom reflects his perfect order his kingdom is going to be established through judgment so it's only those who are servants of god who are really going to be interested in his kingdom look now to verse verse 14 where he says satisfy us in the morning how with your grace and we will rejoice and we will be glad in all of our days so when we are are functioning in this world based upon notice what he says based upon the grace we begin our day the foundation with grace grace is going to move in our life to position us in god's will understand the relationship between the grace and the will of god through grace i can do the will of god and grace will give me that desire to do god's will and in god's will what will i have we will rejoice and we will be glad in all of our days verse 15. he says here we have rejoiced in the days of of uh of here what he's talking about is the days of our affliction so what moses is saying is in the same way that we had days of affliction and they were painful now he's saying cause us to rejoice now as how we suffered in those days and the years that we saw evil meaning that we weren't experiencing god's will now there's something foundational about this verse and that is this it is the will of god 
that is being likened to joy and gladness what is he saying look again at this very important verse verse 15 in the hebrew text samchenu ki mot anitanu we want to rejoice is what he's saying cause us to rejoice as in the days of our affliction as in the years that we saw evil we want what a change we want to see god turn those days of affliction into days of joy furthermore he says next verse verse 16 and your action that's literally what it is your action may it appear to your servants we want to see in other words the work of god the activity of god may god's hand his work his activity appear before us his servants and glory upon their sons now here this word glory speaks about an outcome it speaks about a result and what uh moses is saying here is this as we see your workmanship as we see your activity in this world god's activity is it brings glory god's it brings a manifestation of god's glory unto their sons now what does that speak of well son here is speaking about an heir when we and this is the principle being taught here when i participate when i see what god's doing and i can participate in god's activity it is going to bring about glory it is going to bring about something that is good desirable for who that next generation that that when i participate with god it's going to be that that next generation my children are going to benefit from that and then he says look at the last verse verse 17 and it will come about noam noam is a word of that which is pleasant that which is soothing that which is comforting so may it come about that which is pleasant O lord our god upon us what is this the psalm doing at the end when i think properly when i make god-pleasing decisions when i participate in what god's doing there's going to be a result not only on that next generation that's a concern of mine for my children but even upon me where it says let that which is pleasant O lord our god be upon us and then notice how the psalm ends the work of our hands they establish us so it's as we work and the work here has to do with participating with god submitting to his instructions obeying his commandments putting his truth into action what does that do that establishes us and also it says the work the last part of the verse the work of our hands they prepare it now the question is prepares what 
prepares us yes but prepares it meaning our future if we want a a godly tomorrow that begins by behaving godly today it establishes us where we are but it also has a future for us it brings about a change and this is what moses is concerned about revealing in this prayer of his this prayer of his truth that we need to embrace that we need to keep at the forefront of our mind in order that we become the workmanship of god and we see godly activity not just that we participate in but that we are recipients of so psalm 90 a very very practical psalm i'll close with that until next week shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.